Hey, Anna. Hey, Eric. It's episode 165. Are you ready to get historic? I am All right. so ready to do a deep dive. I have more history than you. In fact, when I went to school, they didn't have history. That's how long ago it was. <laughs> wow. But... Did they only have dinosaurs or what are we looking at bones well, today? Well, we rode them to school. I, I like to watch the Flintstones <laughs> and reminisce. You know how it is. Yeah. Welcome to the cabin. My name's Eric Paulson. I'm Anna Elise Beckman. And we do have a guest with us who we will introduce shortly. But uh, the topic today is going to be historic sites to visit in Wisconsin. We were going to go with 8 or 10 or 12, but we don't know how many we're going to talk about. It all depends on could how things time could out. Be could be less. more, could be less. And we'll have more in future episodes because there's a ton of great history in Wisconsin, whether it's natural history, uh, man-made history, uh, and it goes back in some cases thousands of years. So we're going to talk about some really cool places around the state you can visit and experience this history. Cabin is brought to you by the Wisconsin Counties Association, and this week we're featuring Trempolo County, which is in a beautiful spot in the state in the Driftless area. It's just north of La Crosse County, along the Mississippi River, and then extending north across the Driftless area, all the way up to Osseo, just south of Eau Claire. It's mostly rural, and uh, Trempolo's county seat is Whitehall, which is a little tiny town, uh, but still a charming little place. And uh, the county is home to Galesville, which has a huge apple festival every fall. And this area has a lot of very fertile farms and uh, orchards. Stops like the Apple Barn along the Great Great River Road. Wonderful places to check out uh, the apples that they grow there. And then the grapes that they grow there lead to some great wineries like El Maro Winery, which is right off the Great River Road too, just east of the little town of Trempolo, which has a historic hotel. The Trempolo Hotel is a very famous place that dates back to the 1870s, known for being a great place to stay and for a really good walnut burger if you're into that sort of thing. I still never had one. You must. Always want to get one and then I just, I don't know, something happens and I get something else. Yeah, see? But you got to check it out. It's right by Lock and Dam, I think number two on the Mississippi River. And then if you kind of scoot up the road along the river, you end up in Perot State Park, which has some amazing and extensive hiking trails right along the river shores and then high atop bluffs that offer views. You can see all the way to Winona, Minnesota from some of those bluffs, which is a little ways upstream. Uh, great trails there, and then Sullivan Supper Club is great right there. And, and downtown Trepolo, uh is a, a very large hill. Mm-hmm. And, and on top of the hill are prehistoric platform mounds that go back a thousand years mm-hmm. and were built by a uh, people from America's first city, which is called Cahokia, dates back a thousand years ago, and a very complex society called the Mississippians. They came up to Trempolo just for a short time, made a village there, where Trempolo is right now, and built ceremonial platform mounds on the hilltop there. And uh, there is a walkway now, uh, that, uh, and it's interpreted, and people can... Come out of the Triple Hotel, walk down the block, and uh, walk a thousand years into the past. Wow. That's something I didn't know. Wow. I think we're going to learn a lot more about things that we don't know yet. Well, the more you know, the more you realize how much you don't know, right? Yeah. That's why when you're 14 and you don't know everything. Yeah. That's why I have. That's why when you're 14 and you don't know anything, you think you know everything. Teens, remember that. Uh, Triple is where Ashley Furniture makes their headquarters in Arcadia. I did not know. Ashley for the Arts Festival. (laughs) Combines art and music in awesome ways every August. And uh, in Osseo, there is Northwoods Brewing, 
and the original Norskenuk, famous for their pies and other Norwegian treats. Everybody's got to get there. See? Yeah, everybody's yeah nodding with that one. Uh, and if you love breweries, uh, not only is there Northwoods and Osseo, but in Whitehall, there's Fafats Brewing. Fafats. F-F-A-T-S, which is the reverse of the word staff. Ah. Uh. Uh, and, and if you like driving burgers on your road trip, check out JoJo's and Independence during summer along Highway 121. Trepolo County, beautiful place to road trip. All right. One more, and then we're going to hop into some history. The Cabin is also brought to you by the WCA Group Health Trust. Serving local governments and school districts, the WCA Group Health Trust partners closely with members to fulfill their employee health benefit obligations in a fiscally responsible manner. Learn more at WCAGHT.org. All right. We've already kind of lit the fire with some of this history. Just we bring have. it up Trempolo County. I love it. But let's light let, it one more time. Let's do it for real. Throw the match in. All right. And so it's me, Eric, and her, Anna. And we're very pleased to welcome in our nice cozy cabin, Mr. Bob Birmingham. Welcome, Bob. Pleasure to be here. So you, uh, historically, you've been with uh, the Wisconsin Historical Society. You've been the state archaeologist. That's correct. And now you're the executive director of Friends of Aztalan State Park. I'm pronouncing that correctly, right? That's correct. I used to say Aztalan, and everybody's like, it's Aztalan. 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 So any which way you want to do it, potato, potato, we got it taken care of. Uh, And that's a really cool state park with a great history, which I know you're going to get into the the uh, interesting yes. deep re- recesses of. So our purpose today is talk to talk about some great Wisconsin historic sites that you can and frankly must visit. Yeah, and r- real quick, I've worked with you a little bit, Bob, on uh, the Jefferson County episode, and you did a phenomenal job guiding motorcyclists <laughs> nonetheless <laughs> through Aztalan Park. Um, but, not which, a, but not on motorcycles. Not on park. motorcycles. <laughs> yeah, I, I can guarantee you, you probably will get kicked out if you do that. Um, although they do have a great parking lot where you can park your motorcycle. Uh, highly recommended. <laughs> um, but this, if you've never been to Aztalan, it is a phenomenal uh, place. Very, it's, it's gorgeous. But also, the first time I ever went, uh, I actually went with my dad. And both him and I were just stunned at the beauty. But also the... Ability to really just feel as though you are almost a part of the history that exists there. They still have, and I'll let, you know, Bob get into this a bit more too, but um, they have these structures that are uh, almost wall-like structures that they have still standing there today. Um, And it's just kind of this rolling uh, hill area just right on the Crawfish River. And so if you have not been there, one, obviously for the beauty, but two, for the history, which we're going to talk about today. So... Um, Bob is an expert in, in Aztalan State Park, and we are very excited to have him on today. And so with that, uh, Bob, I know that you've written some books, too, yes. not just on Aztalan. Yes, Aztalan, but other books as well. Um, what are some of the books that you've written? Oh, besides Aztalan, I've written um, uh, uh, with co-author Amy Rosebrow of Wisconsin Historical Society a popular book called um, Indian Mounds of mm. Wisconsin, uh, which is a statewide uh, look at the ancient history uh, of not just the mounds, but it's, it's, it's a good book just to read about the uh, Native American history, which is most of Wisconsin history. Oh, yeah. It goes yeah. back, again, 12,000 years. Um, um, I did a book on uh, Skunk Hill, uh, which is... Uh, in Wood County, um, and uh, it was a village occupied 
by Native people in the early 20th century who um, basically fled a, a, a reservation in uh, Kansas because of oppression. Uh, uh, at one time, um, it, it was illegal for, for Native people to speak their language, practice their religion, have ceremonies on reservation. It was literally illegal. And so uh, a bunch of people uh, left, came to Wisconsin, uh, and set up a village uh, where they could practice their religion, speak their language, and so on, and, and help them survive. Uh, these are Potawatomi people. So I wrote a book about that. Um, I uh, also wrote a book about the uh, Black Hawk War. Oh, um, yeah, that's a big historic... Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, you see markers about that all over the southern and western yes, part of the state. Yes, you know, and yeah, and there there is in fact uh, a series of markers where people could spend a day. Oh yeah, just, just it's a trail you can follow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, speaking about motorcycles, it's actually popular among motorcyclists to 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 stop at these sounds, uh, at these signs, and uh, and so on. Um, but my interest in the Black Hawk War was because we excavated uh, a. Um, a fort, Fort Blue Mounds, at at Blue Mounds, Wisconsin, which is the highest point in the southern half of Wisconsin, correct? Right. Yeah, but nearby, uh, they built a fort during the Black Hawk War uh, because they were they were afraid that Black Hawk's band were going to come and kill them all. You know, um, so they uh, they uh, put up a fort, and uh, and it was actually attacked uh, uh, several times. Many. Many interesting uh, things happened there, uh, but we, we, we relocated the fort and partly excavated it for the first time, so now we know what it looked like and the history uh, you know, of that. So those are some of the examples of you know, his, early history and uh, Native American history are my sort of forte. Aztalan kind of was a northern version of that, right? Northern mm -hmm. outpost, yeah. yeah. So let's, they're let, called the Middle Mississippians? Yeah, we call them Mississippians. Um, and the um, Mississippians were a very complex society. You know, very similar, not related, but very similar to Aztecs and the Mayans you've mm -hmm. heard about, you know. Well, it in seems that like, especially cities. with what they built. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so Cahokia, what we call Cahokia today, we actually don't know what the name of it was a thousand years ago, but uh, Cahokia was America's first city, literally. Uh, it was not a village. It was a, a pretty big, big city with um, a lot of public works, uh, um, huge mounds. And just uh, to clarify, Bob, is Cahokia in Mississippi? No, uh, oh, Cahokia, it, I'm sorry. Wisconsin, correct? Just for those no. who are unfamiliar with the It's story. in southern Illinois. Okay. Along the Mississippi River. Along the Mississippi River, yes. Right across the city, right across the river from the city of St. Louis. It was America's first city. And um, it, it was occupied um, for several hundred years. And then the about twelve to 1300 this complex civilization we call Mississippian collapsed and shifted south. Do we know why? That's a good question. And uh, that, that, is, uh, that is the quest of lots of archaeologists who are working on Mississippi. There's a lot of theories, you know. 
um, but but the the exact exact reason hasn't been identified. It could be climatic. Um, one thought that I've always had is possibly disease, uh, because uh, the the city had tens tens of thousands of people, all living pretty close together, and uh, in absence of modern medicine, you can imagine that disease could have been rampant. And after a while, uh, people started to associate the place with disease, so naturally moved away. So that's another theory. But, but so yeah, I was going to say, is it single event or was it a series of events over time? Probably, and that's probably, what's still, yeah. Okay. And um, in, in cities, we know uh, from uh, history in general, are just not good places to live. You know, they're unhealthy. <laughs> well, they can be safe places for people because there's safety in numbers, and there can be convenience because of public works, but you're very vulnerable uh, absolutely. at times too, yeah. Yeah. It's kind of the age-old, you know, live in a big city or live way out in the middle of nowhere by yourself. And, right, yeah. And it's, it's a debate we have to this day, right? So, so... so uh, at, at one point, a group of people from Cahokia came up to Wisconsin, and um, and that's at Trempolo that I mentioned before. Mm-hmm. And they stayed for a while, but then went back to Cahokia. A little bit later, within about 20 years, uh, a bigger group came to southern Wisconsin and established uh, 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 Wisconsin's first town which is Astalan. And again, not a village, but a permanent year-round So that town. was Wisconsin's first town. That right. We, okay. Yeah, Cahokia was uh, America's first city. Astalan, Wisconsin's first town. I think it's notable, by the way, it's the the first town, if you will, the first settlement like that, not on the shores of Lake Superior or Michigan. No, 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 no. Yeah, that is interesting. Along but a river. nonetheless, along. Inland. Along yeah, it was, on, it was along a river. And it was Wisconsin's first farming town. The Mississippians were farmers. Um, it grew corn, um, and so the uh, one of the one of the, uh, the first farming communities was Astalan, and uh, it, it's it's always great for me when I'm giving tours out there to point across the road where corn is still being grown today, and pointing out that this place. Corn has been grown for a thousand years, you know, going back to native. Well, I mean, the soil is, uh, in the state in general is very good, but Jefferson County, yeah. Yeah. phenomenal oh, yeah. farmland. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, I point that out in uh, in historical talks that, you know, um, a, a site near Astalan in Jefferson County, in fact, has radiocarbon dated the earliest corn grown in Wisconsin, right there in Jefferson County. So it, it's really, its agricultural theme goes back, way back to, to Native American people. Mm. And did uh, the Cahokians also uh, yes. grow corn? Okay. And, and that is one, another theory why it was abandoned, mm. um, in that you're talking about tens of thousands of people. And they would have hunted out any deer or other animals it's mostly prairie. Yeah, a long down time there ago. it is. They could fish in the Mississippi River, but not to the extent where they could feed 20,000 people every day. And so without protein, they were eating a lot of corn. Corn has no protein. 
Yeah, it's very starchy. <laughs> yeah. And, and so another theory is that people were literally becoming malnourished because they're only living on corn itself. Just another consequence of a large number of people living together are resources. You know, how are you going to feed? And that's why there were many nomadic cultures for so many years. Oh, yeah. Because you yeah. couldn't move goods and supplies back and forth very easily. You had to use what you had around. Yeah, trade. And, and there's, there's that debate in anthropology, you know, what, whether it's better to stay a hunting and gatherer where you can be mobile and go to where the food is or be sedentary and have to provide for yourself at that spot or go out and, and gather resources. So Astolan is, is, is a must-see uh, for Wisconsin people, and it features these very large platform mounds that Mississippians built. The main platform mound had the leader of Cahokia at, in southern Illinois, um, is, is over 100 feet high and uh, is, is larger in volume, made of dirt, than the Great Pyramid of Egypt. Wow. You know? Wow. Yeah. and this That is, I did not know. Yeah, this is incredible. Uh, Cahokia is worth visiting itself. But Astolan has smaller versions of this. Uh, clearly, Mississippian, we have um, uh, several platform mounds that were used. The platform mounds were used as bases for buildings. So important buildings were placed on, on the platform mounds. I was going to ask that. How would you describe a platform mound and how is it different from an effigy mound? Because uh, they yeah. seem very different. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, a platform mound is high and uh, it is a mound that has curved sides but flat on top. Okay. So like you said, for building structures. On and you're building structures, yeah. So structures of important people, uh, uh, for example, uh, temples. Were, were built on these sorts of things. And we know quite a bit about Astolan. Not everything, but quite a bit. Uh, so there are interpretive signs. And we are building, uh, Friends of Astolan State Park are building a, a regular visitor center. Uh, oh, nice. Uh, that, that should be uh, built within the next couple of years. So Astolan is, is something that every Wisconsinite should see and many school children come out there, you know, to, to learn about Native history uh, because in the past, um, Native history wasn't well taught in schools, you know, my generation, for example, you know. And, and when it was taught or, or talked about, um, the, the Native people were not depicted very well, you know. And Astolan gives uh, school children a chance to see that native people were sophisticated, complex, you know, on every bit equivalent to the great societies in Europe, you know, and so on. So they learn uh, without un having to unlearn things. Right. But effigy mounds are another thing um, that people should uh, be aware of um, because they are an international world wonder. That is, no other place in the world has these kinds of burial mounds in such quantity than southern Wisconsin. Yeah, it was like 1,300 mounds in Wisconsin, right? More than any other place than, than in well, any, more, anywhere else more, in more than 1,300. Wow. Actually, more like uh, fifteen to 20,000 mounds really? were built during the period of the effigy mounds. 
And many thousands of those were what we call effigy mounds. And effigy mounds were, um, are uh, mounds that were low mounds that were built in the shape of animals and, as we now realize, supernatural beings. So these are very much religious monuments, although they also served as burial places. But they're built in large clusters, and uh, animal forms include bears, birds, um, uh, large eagle-like forms that are certainly thunderbirds of, of legend. But anyway, so these, these animals are, are very much equivalent to uh, spirit beings in modern Ho-Chunk and other tribal you know, societies. Um, they may represent clans of people or, and or um, uh, supernatural beings. But uh, uh, many, many dozens of sites, effigy mound sites, can be visited. Um, one of the, the newest sites, actually it's an older park, uh, is uh, our new state park. Man lizard mound? Mounds. Oh, Lizard Mounds. Lizard state mounds. park. It used to be a county park, and now the state's taken over it. Where is that? And that is in Washington County near West Bend. That's right. I had just heard about that not too long ago. I couldn't place and, its location. And, but... and, and the mounds are wonderfully preserved. Uh, and there is um, there are uh, water spirits, <laughs> uh, but also a very large, what appeared to be um, uh, water birds in pairs. It's, it's a fascinating place. Uh, and there's walking trails and interpretive signs, um, but it, it, it is the one single place where you can see a huge, huge mound group. That was kind of characteristic of, of throughout Wisconsin. But Very the cool. Madison... So that's right. right in Washington County. Yeah. And then you, you noted Southern Wisconsin. It really is coast to coast because we've seen those mounds in Milwaukee. Like they've dug Absolutely. them up for construction projects by accident. I also see them if you're in Wyalusing State Park. That's right. Uh, right, uh, right where the Wisconsin River flows into the Mississippi, there's a bunch of those. Right by the, there's a passenger pigeon monument. That's right. And there's a whole series of mounds you can explore there. Yes. Is uh, there and, a? And, oh, and, go ahead. And right across the river is Effigy Mounds National Monument. Yes, in Iowa, which is gorgeous. And it, it is, it's got the most fantastic views. Yes. Uh, well, Wyalusing does too, of mm-hmm. course, you know, but uh, it's a special place. But um, the largest concentration uh, of mounds actually was here uh, in in Dane County, uh, in the Four Lake in uh, Madison area. Really. But some highlights are uh, Governor Noel, Governor Nelson uh, State Park, which is a great state mounds park. Here. Yeah. The campus, uh, Observatory Hill. Uh, oh, there's a mound down there, huh? Yeah, several, two mounds: a bird mound oh. and um, possibly a water spirit mound. Um, are, are two places. Um, another spectacular, unique mound is uh, up near Baraboo. Ah, that just became a national monument, right? Yeah, Man Mound nas- yeah. National Monument. I found that by accident because I was driving on Highway 33 and I saw Man Mound Road. I'm like, I'm going to go down off? that road and yeah. see what's there. And it's very fascinating because they, they literally chopped a mound's legs off. And that's how they that figured mean? out what happened. The uh, it's 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 unusual in that it is an effigy of a man. 
Instead of an animal. Instead well, of an I animal. man is animal, um, but... And the man is walking. And the man has horns. And the horns could symbolize the fact that this who is being depicted is a, a medicine man because medicine people often wore horned, buffalo horned headdresses. So are they, I mean... Do people still, you know, do Native American culture still build effigy mounds, or is this kind no, of just a, a thing of the past? It, it, yeah, it was, uh, it was, but effigy mounds are built between about 700 A.D. and about 1100 A.D. Uh, there was a surge. And then cultural practices changed after, after that. And uh, not so many burial mounds at all were built, and... And not many, uh, and, and, and certainly no effigy mounds. So one of our questions, of course, is people lived in Wisconsin, Native people lived in Wisconsin for you know, 12, 13,000 years. Why during this time did they start building burial mounds? And why did they stop? You know, And especially the effigy mounds. Effigy mounds are, are, are awesome. The distribution is is fantastic, and like I said, it's an international world wonder, which begs the question: Why did they build it during this period? And why, and why here? Did it stop? Yeah. You know? And so I wish I had the answers, <laughs> um, but uh, there, there are many theories. But of course, um, you have to read a book like our book to, <laughs> to <laughs> yeah. get into a book. In- Bob, is there a reason that the Native Americans built the mounds where they did, you know, in the specific places, or was it just because that's where they settled and then they kind of picked an arbitrary spot? Um, No, the the spots were not arbitrary. Um, They tend to be high places or always near water. Uh, One uh, pattern that I have seen is that um, there is almost always springs involved. They're built at springs. Springs not only provides fresh water, but in Native American beliefs, springs are the portal to the underworld and the sources of life itself, the water. I mean, physically, that's hard to argue against. Yeah. It's true. And so so we think this ties into the, the whole concept of the effigy mounds, where the effigy mounds seem to be a part of... Uh, of bringing spirits to life at places where they dwell um, in a constant fashion. Uh, basically, we're talking about renewal of the earth, you know, the constant renewal of the earth. And so that ties with the springs, but also the effigy mounds as, as earth renewal ceremonies. And the people probably thought they had to do these ceremonies, building the effigy mounds, in order to keep the earth going, you know. And Makes uh, sense. You turn over the ground a little bit, you refresh things, kind of like with farming. Oh, absolutely. Now, actually, from a time standpoint, we have a ton of historic sites we can talk about. From a time perspective, I think we should kind oh, of sure. talk about one more in, uh, in some detail. Uh, and that is, because you and I were both planning on discussing... Pendarvis, Pendarvis and Point. Yeah. Now, and part of the reason I'm picking that one is it's continuing with the theme. You were talking about Native Americans; they were mining like Hickston stone, and they would mine certain things for their for their culture, for the things they needed. And really, Mineral Point exists for the same reason. Absolutely. Um, 
the uh, on the Wisconsin state flag are two human beings. One is a sailor representing the navigation industry, shipping and so on, and the other is a miner. Um, the fur trade was the first big industry in Wisconsin, but the next one was lead mining. Um, native people had mined lead uh, for quite some time. Uh, they used for ornaments and so on. Um, but in the uh, 1820s, uh, there was a demand for lead at places where lead occurred naturally because all the white-painted houses out on in New England needed repainting <laughs> because many of them were built during the 1700s, you know, and so on. So there was a tremendous call for white paint, lead-based paint. And um, so basically aesthetics sort of dro drove this uh, quest for lead. See, I knew there was a big demand for lead. I wasn't sure why. A lot sure of people why. think it's for bullets or something, but yep. it's, yeah. Or even pencils, white paint, you know. I remember but... learning that, yeah. Wow, yeah. okay. Yeah, 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 it wasn't for bullets. They used it for bullets, too, but but, but mostly it was, it was for white paint. And one of the great sources in North America uh, for lead was uh, southwestern Wisconsin and uh, northwestern Illinois, mm -hmm. uh, Galena, Illinois. The Driftless area, basically. yeah. And um, and again, people knew about that there was lead there because native people had, had mined some lead. Mm -hmm. And uh, so uh, with this demand, uh, people, miners from other places, like from the south and so on, rushed into this area to, to make a lot of money. And uh, Easterners came out, um, immigrants from England uh, who were mining there, mining coal, uh, so on, came came out and so you had this huge influx of miners mm. and one of the places that they established very early on was mineral point mm -hmm. and i'm sure you've been to mineral point very charming absolutely beautiful uh, both naturally and the the, the man-made downtown the construction uh the design of the buildings the materials used the stone yeah just absolutely fantastic and that was kind of this mineral point was slated early on to be potentially the capital right. of Wisconsin. Well, and and was, Belmont uh, nearby is where they did first meet. Yeah. Territorial in, in, legislature. In 1828, it was the busiest place mm -hmm. uh, uh, it, uh, for for uh, non-natives uh, in Wisconsin. And um, it also was a place in 1832 that became a center uh, for defense against Blackhawk. There were forts built at... at, at at uh, Mineral Point. Um, Just outside, there was a historic marker for Fort Defiance, I think Fort it was Defiance called. Fort Defiance was there. But there was also, uh, several forts were built around there because, again, that's where the population was. Mm -hmm. um, uh, however, uh, they did have a problem building uh, uh, some of the forts in uh, Mineral Point in that the forts required wood. And um, wood is scarce out in this area is mostly prairie. Yeah, it's the opposite of the North Woods. <laughs> and and what woods wood was out there was used uh, for 
uh, furnaces mm -hmm. to melt the lead. So wood was scarce. So uh, legend is that they actually had to start knocking down wooden buildings in order, really? <laughs> in in order to build a fort. You know? But they would replace oh, them with gosh. stone, right? Yeah, right. So... Yeah, so, um, but Pendarvis is the Wisconsin Historical Society site that, that interprets um, this lead mining uh, business, but, and they have several authentic period houses um, that were uh, occupied by the miners, but the, uh, the town itself is, as you know, wonderfully walkable, uh, looking at all this beautiful architecture that stone architecture that goes back uh, to the 19th century. And I have not been there, but I mean, the story of how it kind of came to be with these two guys, Bob Neal and Edgar, I don't know how to say the last name, Helam, Helam, yep, yep. Um, kind of as, you know, partners in business and life partners, they kind of salvaged these buildings and built yes. this restaurant in the 1930s. Uh, they started purchasing kind of one building at a time and then re not necessarily renovating, but really trying to make them as authentic as they could be and restore them. And, and yeah. just, uh, you know, all the credit to these two guys for being able to just Thank God for them. Otherwise, uh, there might not be as many uh, authentic historic structures. Mm -hmm. Well, it's a popular thing. People have a great interest in how it's made, and uh, it's such a big part of the state's history. And in the 19th century, it was interesting because so many individual towns had their own brewery. Yes. And that's a trend that died out as the mega breweries got big, in the, mainly in the middle of the 20th and late 20th century. And now we're seeing that trend reverse right. with the craft brewery boom that's... It is a fantastic phenomena because it celebrates local mm -hmm. uh, well, culture. Yeah. And, and certainly at the center of every 19th century town, there was a tavern. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, and the, the newer breweries are kind of becoming that in some towns yeah, as yeah. well. Yeah. Any number of places could be social gathering places, but it's really nice that these are mm -hmm. offering a new venue Absolutely. Uh, for, for people to get together and socialize. Yeah. Part of the new world, Wisconsin. <laughs> right. New world, Wisconsin. Especially <laughs> after the COVID. Yeah. Yeah, it is Everybody's a new world, Wisconsin, a new world in general. Madeline Island is a part of the Apostle Islands National Lakeshore and goes back to the earliest time when Europeans were making contact with Native people. And the reason for this contact was that the French were interested in furs, beaver pelts, oh, yeah. and others um, in order to send back to France because it was fashionable in France at the time, especially for men, uh, to have beaver hats and uh, other beaver clothing. <laughs> it's like uh, early and, Davy Crockett. Mm -hmm. so, so fashion was dictating economics <laughs> and the it was and 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 so the english and the french especially competed uh in north america to get beaver and the reason and the way they got um beaver was to trade with native people the native people would go out get the beaver pelts and then bring them into traders who would then give the native people, European goods, which are highly valued. Mm -hmm. Things like guns, which yeah. had, had never, native people had never seen, but, but other sorts of things, silver, um, uh, 
and kind uh, of an economy growing based on trade, which yeah, trading a, a, exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. Beads, beads are very popular uh, with native people. Um, so this this commerce, this fur trade, uh, developed, and uh, as I mentioned before, was Wisconsin's first big enterprise. Uh, the French built fur trade posts all over. Wisconsin. Yeah, you saw that around the waters of Green Bay, too. Uh, Green Bay. But up in Madeline is where it really was huge. Yeah. And uh, so the um, so the French established fur trade posts on Madeline Island, and then uh, the English kicked them out. Uh, the English and the French uh, had this big war, and uh, the English took over uh, the fur trade, but also headquartered there on, on Madeline Island. And then the Americans uh, defeated the English and uh, took over the fur trade uh, there. So we have on Madeline Island uh, the history of the fur trade, uh, French, English, and American. Um, the uh, Wisconsin Historical Society then has uh, the Madeline Island Museum, which then interprets all of these uh, phases uh, of the fur trade, and that's in La Pointe, right? In, in the in the in the village of La Pointe, yeah. La Pointe. Um, Which, by the way, uh, Anna is is in French. That means the point. The point. Thank you. <laughs> so, uh, Thank you very much. I think I'll remember that fact. Yeah. So that that site, you've got Madeline Island. You have all of the effigy mounds you can check out. You have Pendarvis. You have Aztalan State Park, and all of that. All outdoor sites to visit. Uh, most of what we talked about, very heavy on Native American history. Pendarvis, not as much, but still related to it because the mining came about Oh yeah, because the Native Americans had done that. That's correct, yeah. So that, that's a lot of really cool stuff to check out in itself. And I have one more follow-up question, Bob. Why do you think, uh, this is just kind of a, a personal question, but why do you think it's important to preserve these stories in Wisconsin's history? Well, first of all, uh, I think it's important because in national history, uh, Wisconsin is usually not brought up too much, and, and yet we have these remarkable places. You know, and I think just recognition uh, that the history uh, of Wisconsin lies in two areas, and one is a very interesting recent. Um, era, uh, but also a native history that goes back 13,000 years. Um, there is a site here outside of Madison that may be the largest 13,000-year-old site, or, or I should say between largest site occupied between 11,000 and 13,000 years in the entire nation, you know. So, so we have this spectacular uh, that, that, that people should, should know about. Um, secondly, these should be preserved as a constant reminder that of a very complex, very interesting past. Uh, it's one thing to read about a historic site, but as you know, it's another thing to actually be there. Uh, even in Astalan, um, standing in basically downtown Astalan and looking around on a quiet day, 
Uh, you could almost imagine yourself, you know, living mm -hmm. a thousand years ago. Absolutely. An immersive experience is always a better one. Yes, it is. And you can't really do that, uh, um, you know, again, just but just by reading. Reading mm -hmm. is a good way to prepare yourself, but it's another thing to go out there. And, and the more people it, learn and enjoy these things, the more they want to preserve these kind of places for their children mm -hmm. and their great grandchildren. Uh, an active, an active person in history uh, is the best preservationist. Very, very true. Well, well and you're definitely doing your due diligence with the historical <laughs> yeah. knowledge that you are bringing to people and helping them understand not just the facts, but truly stories. Yes, many, many great stories. Um, uh, we could, we could, we could spend weeks. <laughs> I talking about one hundred percent believe it, Bob. Hopefully, you'll you'll want to come back and we can talk about more of these sites. Yeah, we would love that. Uh, Bob Birmingham, executive director, Friends of Astaland State Park, former state archaeologist and a former now retired professor from UW Waukesha, teaching all of this great stuff to students. So, thank you so much for being with us here in the cabin. My and pleasure. Hopefully, we'll have you back soon. Yeah, thank you, Bob. What a fascinating guy. He was amazing. He always is amazing. He always just, I don't know, he, the, to, the ability of him to just be able to, or the, his ability to be able to kind of go into any facet of a place that he knows about and just really do a deep dive into that area. You can ask him a question and he just will know about it. It's so cool to me. Yeah. And I, I learned a lot of, th I, I know my history pretty well. I learned a lot of stuff from him yeah. here just And now, he's great so. at storytelling, which yeah. is my favorite part. He is. We yeah. look forward to having him back for some other Wisconsin historic sites. And uh, meanwhile, the cabin is brought to you by, coincidentally enough, Ho-Chunk Casino, Wisconsin, <laughs> your grown-up getaway. So you can experience gaming in a whole new way. There's a range of adventure and entertainment with Ho-Chunk Gaming. There's uh, relaxing accommodations, too. It's all in one place, so you can discover your favorite slot machine, double down on the tables, or roll your luck with a throw of the dice. It'll be the getaway you've been searching for. And while you're there, you can sign in to become a free member of the Rewards Club for special members-only discounts, promotions, and a lot more. Ho-Chunk Gaming, where the grown-ups play big. Check out locations in Madison, Wisconsin Dells, Black River Falls, Nakusa, Toma, and Wittenberg. Must be 21 to gamble. And on a side note, I'm saying this, double down on 11 when you can. <laughs> I love their, their, is that their slogan, your grown-up getaway? Yeah. I love that. Mm -hmm. It great. is time now for the review of the week. And we found this one from Wisco Subby, S-U-B-I-E who says the cabin is, quote, a must-listen. This podcast complements the Discover Wisconsin show perfectly. It's one of the things we were going for when we started this podcast. <laughs> it highlights all the amazing things that make Wisconsin a great state and provides so many ideas of things to do that otherwise would be lost. Keep up the great work. God, I like getting buttered Man, up like that. that's a nice one. Thank you, Wisco Subsubi. Yeah, actually... I'm, I'm reading some not-no-nice ones at times, too. Those are fun as well. I like constructive criticism, but I love stuff Always like this. Important. This is perfect. That's a testimonial, not a review. I love it. So thanks again with Sko Subi. And if you want to leave a comment on Apple Podcasts, please feel free. We love your feedback. And make sure you join us next week where you're going to explore golfing in Wisconsin. The season's coming up. It's not far away. And Wisconsin is a golf mecca with so many great courses and opportunities. We'll share some of those courses next week with a pro golfer. And as we get ready to wrap up, I want to remind you of this message from the All of Us Research Program. The All of Us Research Program is asking for people to help researchers make healthcare more precise by creating individualized prevention and treatment options. 
When you join, you'll share your unique health information and become part of the largest and most diverse medical research program ever. The more data researchers have, the more they'll be able to create better care for all of us. Introducing the next breakthrough in medicine, you. Details at joinallofus.org slash discoverwi. Today's episode of The Cabin was hosted by Eric Paulson and me, Anna Elise Beckman, with guest Bob Burningham. Produced by Eric Paulson, audio engineering and video teasers by Logan Ingram with social media by Adeline Savanagh. The Cabin is a production brought to you by Discover Media Works. To learn more, head to discovermediaworks.com and don't forget to leave a review.